The following podcast is part of the Underdog Sports Podcast Network. For advertising information or to find more great podcasts, visit us at www.theunderdogsports.com and follow us on Twitter at RealTheUnderdog. MLB show. Here are your hosts, the luckiest men on the face of the earth, Chase Fedorsky and Bryce Holden. Welcome to episode 201 of the Underdog Sports Baseball Show with Bryce Holden. My name is Chase Fedorsky. And I'm coming off a week of technical advancements or turn around, not turn turnarounds, uh, setbacks. For the ages, uh, this is the first podcast we were recording from my new computer. Uh, Bryce was with me in our apartment. This was Wednesday, last Wednesday, so it's been about a week. Uh, I was reading a comic on my computer. More of the story is pay for comics. Don't read them on a private browser. Uh, and for those who are curious, I swear to God it was comics on the private browser and nothing else. You have a dirty mind if you think otherwise. And the next thing I knew, my computer went kaput. Uh, so Bryce and I just spent about you know 10 minutes or so toggling through GarageBand. Uh, but fortunately, all we needed to click was one little switch, and we now know how to record. Uh, but here's the real question. Those of you who know me close know that there's a lot of things from a technological standpoint that I'm a step behind on. Um, I didn't get my first phone with the face recognition until the end of 2021. And this year, I was finally ready to make the jump to AirPods. When I say this year, I mean like in the past two weeks. Um, I've always used the corded Apple headphones. I love them. But, you know, I, I throw them in my pocket. I throw them in my jacket, this and that. And I said, you know what? I have an Amazon gift card. It's time to order these AirPods. So I started with an AirPods, third generation. And Bryce, what would you say coming into that purchase, the BovadaSportsbook.com over under was on length of time that I would spend with the AirPods? Six months. Well, if you took six months, you lost that bet terribly. Um, I had to return the first pair after about three days because they caused my ears to hurt. Tried to to go back a generation, went to Best Buy, got the AirPods 2. Thought, oh, these are more or less the same as my quartered headphones. And uh, needless to say, I went back to Best Buy this morning, went to the Apple Store, picked up a pair of good old school corded headphones. This is my life. Even when I try to move into the 21st century, my body prevents me. Uh, My mind is telling me no. Or my mind is telling me yes, but my body is telling me no. The opposite of R. Kelly. Thank God. And here we are, back with the courts. Very eventful technological week. I'm going to move on because you compared yourself to R. Kelly. No, I said the opposite of R. Kelly, most importantly. You evoked R. Kelly. Rough way to start a show, but let's, uh, let's, just, let's just go. Let's just move on. All right, so last week, one of the things we talked about when we closed the show was the MLB Network top 10 starting pitchers. And they announced that the day after we recorded last week. And here's the list. And I guess should we start with the guy that both of us submitted? Yeah. Just Just because for us especially, I mean, we probably named, what, 14 to 16 guys last week? Uh, yeah. And it's amazing. Neither of us said Garrett Cole. The Yankees, $360 million man. Didn't even come up in the conversation. I mean, we were naming guys on the Diamondbacks and Zach Gallon. All these guys. We went through... We went through. Uh, we went team by team. Garrett Cole did not come up. I think that's a jaded Yankee fan perspective, where he just hasn't lived up to his contract. Well, we'll go through the top ten right now, and and we'll also do some people who were not on the list that finished high in the Cy Young voting last year. And we'll discuss it. I'm going to be honest. I 
don't know who I would have won instead. And I think you just used the word you used the word jaded. So I think that actually describes why I feel this way perfectly. Corbin Burns was number one, and he made the jump from number nine. Corbin Burns, obviously, two years ago had a one seven something ERA, won the Cy Young Award against Zach Wheeler. Last year was very good, but just didn't live up to that hype in that regard. Do you think I feel that Burns shouldn't be number one strictly because he took a step back for me in fantasy this year and down the stretch was terrible? Do you think I'm jaded in that regard? Yeah, in that I don't think he's number one either. I would still take a healthy Degrom over him, but over the last three years, Corbin Burns has been the best pitcher in baseball. Yeah, I, I think it comes back to a lot of this. The best ability is availability. In the past two, three years, he's taken the mound every time he's been called to him. So Burns is one. Verlander's two. He's not ranked. Again, I think Verlander... These lists are so hard because you have to rate recency versus longevity. I mean, Verlander's coming off a unanimous Cy Young Award. And the last time we saw him pitch in a full season was... What, 20... Was it 2019 when he won the Cy Young? He pitched an inning in the COVID year. So, uh, again, the best ability is availability, but Verlander, too, I have no problem with. This was the fascinating one to me as a Yankee fan. They had Carlos Rodon, who wasn't ranked last year, as number three. You you made a great point. You can make the case that Carlos Rodon is the fourth best pitcher in New York behind Verlander, Scherzer, and Cole. And I think most people would agree with you and not bat an eye. All that said, though, when you do look at the I think he's a consensus number four. I think, it's again, I think for lists like this, would I have Rodon in my top 10? Probably not. But for a list like this with the shredder where it's numbers-based, there's very few pitchers in baseball who the past two years could say they had 200-plus strikeouts, an all-star appearance, which, again, is arbitrary, and an ERA below three both years. Carlos Rodon fits the bill. Uh, As a Yankee fan, though, I was pumped. This means nothing to me. I, I think when it comes to the history of pitching, you need that dominant is. And Carlos Rodon doesn't have, he doesn't have, he doesn't have a swag. I think he does like, he carries himself as a cool dude, and he seems pretty intense to play with. But he doesn't have the the reputation of a big game pitcher. He does. I don't think he's ever pitched in the playoffs. I don't. Mm, like, he didn't pitch it on the twenty. The bubble playoffs, sure. Did the White Sox? No, they didn't make it. No. Well, wait. Was Last it? year he would have made it. No, no. Twenty twenty one. The White Sox won the division under Larusa. Now. They, okay, they, and then I think he threw like a couple innings, but he got hurt in the second half, which speaks to your point. Like he gets hurt a lot, and he just doesn't really. He doesn't. He's not a top ten guy in the league. He was a great number two. He's a great number two starter. I think overall, though, I felt pretty strongly that they got the rest of this list right. Scherzer at four. Yep, no yep. problem. Sandy, the reigning Cy Young winner. Sandy has been the workhorse of Major League Baseball uh, the past two years. Otani six. He's been on the field. He's been great. Freed, 7, Wheeler, 8, DeGrom, 9, Urias, 10. DeGrom was 1 last year. Um, and again, I think if DeGrom's healthy this year, he's probably looking at the top 3. You just can't have a guy who's barely pitched past uh, really almost 2-3 seasons now in the top 3, I think. Uh, who's the best pitcher in baseball? DeGrom, I guess. There you go. Put a number 1. <laughs> no, makes sense. Uh, not on the list. Dylan Cease, Alec Manoa, Aaron Nola, Gallen, McClanahan and Glass now, Garrett, Hugh Darvish, Shane Bieber, Kevin Gausman, and Fromber Valdez. Who of these guys do you think in your Fromber. mind Fromber's the biggest omission? Who would you have him in there instead of them? That's the thing. I, there's nobody. Carlos Rodon. So you think Fromber and Rodon move everyone else up a notch? Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, Cease, I think it's again. I think Cease, Manoa, and Gallon, and McClanahan, I have in a tier of. They did, were great last year. Let's see them do it again. Glass now, if he's healthy, I think will definitely be in this list next year. Um, Darvish and Bieber, I would say, are like. I don't know. It's almost like insulting to say, but they're in more like the fifth. It's not insulting, but it comes off as is. Like, there's nothing wrong with being like a top 15 to 25 pitcher. Like, Darvish and Bieber, I would say, are guys that if they're your number two, you're very comfortable with your number two slot. And if they're their, your ace, you feel fine. But you hope you have a good number two. That makes sense? Yeah, but you have to recalibrate expectations because people, like athletes across the board, are getting better over time. Like, I heard John Wilkes Booth through a wicked ethos. Like, can you get a confirmation on that? But it's like, again, like, I'm sure like anyone... Can you cite can, your source on that? I don't want to. But we, the way it goes is people get better over time. So like what was, I mean, like a number three starter today would be a number, would be an ace in the 50s and the 60s and the 70s. So as pe- pitchers get better and better over time, I think baseball is a sport that's going to suffer from this the most. I think they're going to have to move the mound again. People are going to throw way too fast and it's going to be impossible for hitters to, to keep up with these guys. Who's your Bavada pick to finish number one on this list next the year? Drop. I'm going to go uh, Shohei. That would be that would be something. I'm going to go with Mr. Otani. I think he, um, I don't know. I think last year was the year that like health-wise, obviously, you know, he, he won the MVP in 2021. It was on the field a bunch. But I think last year was the year that he really struck the perfect balance. Just from a stuff standpoint, he's so nasty. Um, so I'm going to go Shohei number one. And then looking at this list, who do you think – We'll say, who do we think is most likely to be added and most likely to be dropped from this list? Um, Of this list, I think most likely to be dropped, I think Wheeler. Uh, That elbow injury at the end of last year scared me. I think, I mean, hopefully not Rodone, but I think Rodone. I think Rodone and Wheeler are kind of in the same boat where they get hurt enough. I mean, honestly, if Scherzer doesn't reach it, I guess DeGrom, DeGrom, anyone with injury concerns jumps out. Yeah, I think Wheeler, Scherzer jump out for me from an injury concern standpoint. And I think Freed and Urias jump out for me from the standpoint of, as baseball fans, we know how great they are as the anchors of these wildly successful teams. But they don't necessarily put up the Gaudi statistics that would jump out to a casual fan and say, that guy's a great pitcher, you know? Yeah. And for that reason, I think... uh, I think at this time next year, Freed, Urias, and Wheeler are all out. And I think by this time next year, you're going to have Glass now, Garrett, and Fromber all in. I, I don't sleep someone not even on the honorable mentions. Uh, see, uh, Seattle's it. Castillo. Yeah. I think if C- Castillo, he's been consistent. He's done it for enough years. He's got the body of work. And now he's going to be. And he's not going to be on a winning team. Yeah. All right. So that is our look at. That the, would be my Bavada long shot to finish number one if Luis Castillo wins the AL Cy Young, well, which I think I'm going to bet on. Cy Youngs are kind of the uh, great equalizer for something like this. Yeah, I think I think it's going to be a big Seattle year. All right, let's talk Orioles news. Uh, a lot of legal jargon, so I'm just going to power through this. Uh, the first has to do with the stadium. So before I get into this. You're a good. You're a resident stadium expert here. You travel the world going to stadiums. You've added. Is that board all the new stadiums you've been to this year? It's since we moved in together. All right. So since June first, we'll call that eight. Ten, eight to ten. Yeah, call it eight to ten. Call it eight to ten range. 
Um, Camden Yards, though, is the OG new baseball stadium. It came out in 1991. It was the first of all the rebuilds. And you've, at this point, I'm assuming, been to more baseball stadiums than, than I have. Camden Yards still has to be near the top in terms of yeah, I've only just been to, the top. <laughs> I've only been to one afternoon game there. You know who started that game for the Twins? Your rival. Bundy? Barrios. Oh, God. Uh, so I always have a soft spot in Barrios. A soft spot in my heart for Barrios because of that. Um, and yeah, it was beautiful. Boop Powell was out there signing autographs. And he makes great barbecue. The barbecue was great. Have you been, You've never been to Camden? No, I have. Yeah, Camden's awesome. It's... I just have a... So- I love I have. You have more of life... You have more stadium experience to draw from than me. Just, I've just been to the California ones and none of them are very special. Other than Petco. Baltimore has the huge advantage of the cities right in the heart of downtown. You can walk from downtown to the Orioles game. Which always is a plus... It's really walkable. It's kind of cheap because not a lot of people go to Orioles games. I haven't been since they pushed the wall back. But otherwise, it's just a, like you get Baltimore not known as a beautiful city, but from the right seats in Camden Yards, you get a beautiful view of the city, of the harbor. So the Orioles passed on the opportunity to trigger a five-year extension for their lease at Camden Yards. This is for the Baltimore Sun. They're in search of a longer-term, more comprehensive stadium agreement with the Maryland Stadium Authority. Uh, the lease is ends uh, at the end of the 2023 calendar year, and the team faced a decision on whether to tack on the five additional seasons to remain through 2028 uh, as a condition of the February 2021 extension between the franchise and MSA. The club is optimistic about its chances of hammering out a longer deal, one which might include upgrades to the ballpark and potential developments in the surrounding area, uh, which is a hopeful indicator. But again, the clock is ticking now. They have 11 months before they could come to an agreement before this expires. Uh, and apparently they're seeking to have a 10 to 15 year deal in length and are hopeful uh, to get this done by the all-star great break and a recent maryland law it should be noted allowed the msa to borrow up to 600 million uh for orioles stadium upgrades but with a longer term deal than the five-year pack that the orioles were deciding upon i guess should i talk about the lawsuit as well and then we'll tie it into how concerned you should be or not concerned you should be as an orioles fan yeah wrap up the lawsuit all right so um the angelos family peter angelos the father he's 93 years old he's owned the team for quite some time um, and the ongoing litigation amongst members of his family have been dropped, according to court documents. Um, the documents state Georgia Angelos, Peter's wife, and her sons, John and Lewis, have agreed that all claims, including all counterclaims and defenses uh, asserted therein, be dismissed with prejudice. Uh, the term with prejudice from a legal vantage point indicates the charges cannot be refiled and the case cannot be brought back to the courts at a future date. Um Angelos is now 93, and he gave up as the control person of the Orioles in 2018. Uh, he gave more responsibility to both his sons, and both John and Lewis have held roles within the organization prior to that point and in the years since. John was formally approved by the league's owners as the Orioles' new control person following 2020, uh, following the season, and his brother filed a lawsuit saying that John had blocked his mother's wishes to sell the team, and the two of them had taken control of the 98-year-old Peter's assets, both the team's and family law firm. Um, at Lewis's expense. The initial complaint also alleged the following, that John intends to maintain absolute control over the Orioles without having to answer to anyone. Georgia, the mother, it's a crazy family dynamic here, uh, then filed a countersuit against Lewis, alleging that he fabricated his claims in his own attempt to seize control of the family's assets. Uh, and her suit sought to remove Lewis as success for, successor and hold him liable for breach of fiduciary duty as well as exploitation of the father. Needless to say, 
They've all come together and said we're going to work together in the future, which is important now with the Camden Yards lease expiring. Um, there's also still this litigation with uh, MASN uh, where an arbitrator ruled that the network owed $105 million in unpaid rights fees to the Nats. Uh, there's no clear timetable on that. has been resolved will be resolved. So the Angelos family is now all on the same page, which is great. But if you're an Orioles fan and you know um, that John Angelos, who was also very contentious at a recent interview with reporters, um, has looked to subsidize his family's assets under his leadership. Um, in addition, he's also said, you know, we might sell a large minority stake in the team where they can maintain 35% and still be the majority owners. If you're an Orioles fan, are you concerned for the team's future or do you trust that Major League Baseball values the history of baseball in Baltimore enough um, that they're going to get this done and make sure that the Orioles don't leave? I think the easiest outcome is just renew the lease of Camden Young. It's one that makes the most sense, but... Uh, but other, I, Baltimore's a weird team. City... Like, is Are the Baltimore Orioles that much more historic than the Oakland A's who are ready to move? Well, I think that, yeah, the stadium is the big difference, but... but yeah, I, again, I, I don't think this will be an issue, and Orioles fans don't have a ton to worry about. Their team's not... I don't think their team's leaving Baltimore. I think the way with all leagues, are, the way that leagues are going now, they'd rather expand than have a team relocate. Yeah, I mean, look, I think the one thing you need to keep in mind with Baltimore sports in general is over the past 20 years, Orioles are probably... I mean, this is a bit of a stretch. You know what? No, I'll even throw the Commanders in there. I feel like the Orioles are pretty... So all the of the Maryland greater sports. D.C. Baltimore sports teams, Orioles are the least successful of the past 20 years. They had those three playoff appearances under Buck, but Ovi won a ring. The Wizards under John Wall had like five or six straight playoff years and had MJ. Ravens have won two Super Bowls. Nationals have a World Series. Nationals have a World Series. Dan Snyder's not in prison. That's a win for him. It's them or the Commanders. So, yes, I it, it's interesting. I'm interested to see how this whole thing plays out just from the standpoint of it, it's like you just said. It seems like there shouldn't be any issues here, but this is where family bullshit causes problems. Yeah, but there's yeah, especially there's a lot of money at stake here. It's a lot of money at stake. And they still got to figure it's again, you have you have three Huge things that are all in play. A TV rights issue, a stadium issue now, and an ownership issue. And despite that, Adley Rushman is at FanFest slugging beers with fans. Not letting him phase him. They've had good players. Like that run, that Machado, Jones, Marquecas run was fun. I mean, even before that, Dad, if you want to go back further. Tejada and Mora. When we grew up, Dad. Tejada, Mora, Brian Roberts, and... Like Lyle Overbay at first at one point. That was a good infield. Chad was there for a minute. Sam yeah. Sosa was there for a minute. Adam, did you say Adam Jones already? Yeah. It's a good team. Definitely better than the Commanders. We'll see what happens. All right, let's talk arbitration and extension news. Uh, Max Freed went to an arbitration hearing with the Braves for the second year in a row. Uh, last year he won. This year he lost. Uh, 13.5. We wrong about this. One. He will make $13.5 million this season rather than the 15 he filed for. I mean, again, this year he finished second in the Cy Young voting, voting 185 in a third innings, 2.48 ERA. Strikeout rate 23.2%, 4.4% walk rate. He's a lefty, five fan graph war. He won a gold glove. He's 29 years old. I mean, since 2020, 268 ERA. I am amazed that the Braves wouldn't 
let this just go and they give him $1.5 million given all the other deals they made with other players. Uh, granted, last year they went to arbitration over $250,000. This was at least $1.5 million. To me, if I'm Max Freed, I'm out of here. Um, just from the standpoint of you have been the unquestioned ace of this team the past couple of years and you were the only guy they haven't taken care of yet. You've been so fantastic. Uh, so all that said, I will ask you, who do you think is the Bavada favorite to land Max Freed once he hits free agency? Hmm. Okay. Who is the favorite for Freed? Well, I mean, every t- what team doesn't need an ace starting pitcher? Of course. Like, it's more who's going to pay the ace starting pitcher and get the job done. Bear in mind, he'll could also... Could the Mets steal him because the Verlander and Scherzer deals are short? I'd probably say the Mets. When in doubt, say the, the Mets now. I am going to throw him somewhere different because I think they have at least one or two big contracts coming off the books. Um, I think Max Fried's going to be a St. Louis Cardinal. Oh, I like that. He just feels like a guy who would be a Cardinal. Flaherty to get him there. Yeah, and his high school teammate, Jack Flaherty, is in the rotation. I think he'll get the Rodone contract from the Cardinals. That check, I like that. All right, let's just move on then. Yeah. Uh, Marlins, 0 for 2 in arbitration. Uh, Arias asked for $6.1 million. Uh, the team wanted 5 and he won that arbitration coming off the year that he won as the AL batting champ. Jesus Lazardo uh, had asked for $2.5 million. The Marlins argued for two point one, million, and he won as well. Uh, Lazardo, I, I just want to shout him out because he was a top prospect with the A's. He's moved into the Starling Marte trade, and I feel like he's been lost in the shuffle, but he's got to be a huge reason they traded Pablo Lopez. I didn't realize last year he had 25, 4-7, 3-3-2 ERA, and 18 starts. Marlins' rotation is going to be really fun to watch. I would have sent uh, Freed to Miami, but they just made that trade. Well, and they just don't they don't pay people either. Yeah. Someone's going to go to Miami one of these days. One of these days, we're going to get somebody going to Miami, and it's going to be joyous. Uh, former Marlin, I'll mention him now, uh, Miguel Rojas, two-year deal with the Dodgers. He's set to earn $5 million in 2023, but he now gets $3.5 million uh, in salary and a $1.5 million signing bonus. Um, he will then earn another $5 million in 2024 with a club option for 2025. I really only bring this up from the standpoint of if you're a Dodgers fan and your two biggest moves this offseason were Noah Syndergaard, or three, were Noah Syndergaard, J.D. Martinez, and signing Miguel Rojas to an extension, do you think Dodger fans have the same... And Jason Hayward. And Hayward. Do you think Dodger fans have the same faith in their farm system that the Dodgers front office does? I think they have the faith in the front office. So it trickles down. But yeah. I did that. What have the Dodgers done wrong the last decade? Nothing. This is the first offseason in years where we can say... And they also brought back Kershaw. This is the first offseason in a very long time where I can say I don't think the Dodgers had a good offseason. No. I mean, you lose Trey Turner, it's impossible. But back-to-back offseasons, they lost Scherzer and Trey Turner. Yeah, the difference is the year before when... Well, and they lost Seager, but the difference is they lost Seager, they signed Freddie. There was no needle-moving new move back in the other direction. Yeah. Yet, yes. One guy they did oh, lock up. Freed's going to go to the Dodgers. Los Angeles kid. One guy they did lock up was Tony Lee Gonsolin. Uh, Gonsolin, if he stayed healthy, I think probably would have won the Cy Young as great as Sandy was. I mean, Gonsolin in 24 starts was 16-1 with a 2.14 ERA. First all-star appearance. Um, and they gave him a two-year $6.65 million deal to avoid arbitration Tuesday. Uh, buys out the first two years of his arbitration there. That's a good move. 
I think it's a great move for the Dodgers. I mean, yeah. Gonsolin gets a nice first year total, um, but if he pitches half as much as he was, half as well as he was pitching this past year, he would have made well more than three plus million. But again, he's a guy always hurt one way or the other. If Max Fried's losing arbitration cases, Gonsolin probably not doing so well. Dylan Moore and the Mariners, three-year, $8.875 million extension to avoid arbitration. Buys out his arbitration years. I honestly, you know me, I follow baseball and read the box scores religiously. I have nothing to say about Dylan Moore other than congrats on your extension and he plays all over the diamond. Yeah, I like Seattle this year with or without Dylan Moore. All right, so Fernando Valenzuela is getting his number 34 retired by the Dodgers. Um, it'll be this summer during a three-day Fernando Mania celebration. And again, Fernando's the only pitcher ever to win the Rookie of the Year and the Cy Young in the same season. It all occurred during Fernando Mania in 81. Uh, the Mexican left-hander with the Dodgers. Two World Series teams during his career. Uh, rookie of the Year, Cy Young. Six All-Stars, two Silver Sluggers, threw a no-hitter. Obviously, the huge Latin American population that the Dodgers have in Los Angeles. Fernando was a huge part of bringing them in. Um, and, but despite his success and impact in the community, the Dodgers hadn't officially retired his jersey because of their policy to only retire the numbers of players who were inducted into the Hall of Fame. Uh, number 34 is now retired. It joins Pee Wee Reese, Tommy Lasorda, Duke Snyder, Gil Hodges, Jim Gillum, Don Sutton, Walter Alston, Sandy Koufax, Roy Campanella, Jackie Robinson, Don Drysdale, and Hall of Fame broadcasters Jaime Jaren and Vince Scully. I have no problem with them retiring Fernando's numbers. I mean, again, if you they put, retired everyone's numbers. If you put, well, those guys are all in the hall though. If you've played, I, to, I, I guess my question for you is, what in your mind are, if any, the arbitrary cutoffs that need to be hit for a pitcher or a player in general to have their number retired? Is it awards, World Series, time spent with the team? I, to me, the Hall of Fame is a there is a lofty standard for certain teams, but it's not a, obtainable for a good chunk of baseball. Uh, for me, it, the Hall of Fame has nothing to do with it. It's team by team. Like, we talked about when McCutcheon went back to the Pirates. That seemed like we just, there was discussion, will they retire his number? And I don't know, but if they did, I wouldn't have a problem with it. And then there's other things, like you said Nemo's going to be with the Mets for 15 years. They're going to retire his number because he's been there 15 years. But maybe the Yankees just had Brett Gardner for 13, and his number won't sniff retirement. Like I would have, if I was the Yankees, I would have retired A. Rod's number. Yeah, to me, it has to be a combination of, I would say at least six to seven years, six to eight years, which I know is arbitrary, and then you have to win either a couple rings or a couple awards. Like if I'm the Red Sox, I already retired Clemens' number, retire Manny's number. Are you retiring Pedroia's number if you're the Red Sox? He was the, I, he was. He the was the captain, de facto, but captain. he was. Yes, you retire Pedroia's number. So. I don't know if they have already. So then are you retiring Veritex? Veritex wasn't that good. I just say from the standpoint of he was the captain. Yeah, but Pedroia was the MVP and the rookie of the year. No, no, makes sense to me. Uh, retirement of a left-handed relief pitcher, Jake McGee, is retiring at age 36. He'll return to Tropicana Field where it all started with the Rays next season uh, to celebrate his time with the Rays. Came up uh, in September of... The late 2000s, early 2010s, and by 2012 had bounced off on and off the MLB roster. 
carved out a permanent role by that season. Uh, he posted a sparkling 195 ERA with a massive 34.4% strikeout rate. Uh, we're over a three-year stretch from 2012 to 14. He was one of the best relievers in baseball. Voided the injured list, 189 at third innings, 261 ERA ball, 31.9% strikeout rate, was 13th among all relievers with 100-plus innings there. Uh, again, he was never an all-star, but was always a solid high-leverage arm. Ended up going to Colorado, pitched for the Dodgers for a time, uh, with the Giants for that 107-win team in 2021. Uh, he was the closer at 35 saves, and this year it didn't end particularly great. Um, the veteran caught on briefly with the Brewers and Nationals ever being released by the Giants. His final outing came in September, but all told, 13-year career, 371 ERA, 572 in the third innings, 613 strikeouts, and he had five separate seasons of the sub-3 ERA. And as a relief pitcher, made more than $37 million in earnings. So congratulations, Jake McGee. I have nothing to add other than saying uh, I drafted you a lot in fantasy, and it's been a pleasure. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay, Jake McGee. You did a good job. Yep, congrats on a solid career. Uh, John Heyman reported this past week. Um, he reported a couple things about Correa, but one was that a rival exec predicted no one will ever again get $200 million after two uh, medical failures. But the rival exec said that uh, it was a Houdini job to get that much after collapsed market. But one doctor Heyman interviewed said that Correa has the worst ankle he's ever seen. So with that in mind, I have for you a Bavada over-under. Correa signed for six years. There's 162 games in a season, so that puts us at a total of 972 possible. Is that right? No. Yes. Yes, right? 972 possible games over a six-year stretch. Bavada over-under over that six-year stretch, Carlos Correa plays in 800 of those games. So you're giving under. Up under. Yeah, but yeah, under. I like. I don't know why. There, Carlos Correa got a lot of hate this offseason. and like I, I, the more people hate on Carlos Correa, the more I tend to like Carlos Correa. If he, he, he's a winner. He's a good baseball player. Like the contract he ended up with is probably the one he deserved. That one checks out to me. Like Correa, I'm rooting for you. If he were fruit, fine apple. I'm all in on Carlos Correa. Okay. Uh, so Yankee broadcast news. The Yankees are losing two broadcasters this year. One I'm bummed about, one I'm stoked about. Which one do you want me to start with? Uh, let's start with the let's start with the stoked. Carlos Beltran is getting another chance with the Mets. Sources tell the New York Post they are hiring their former star center fielder to join the front office where he will work under Billy Epler in an undetermined role. Uh, this comes three years after he was hired as the Mets manager and then fired after he was linked to the Astros sign-stealing scandal. Buck considered Beltran for his coaching staff a year ago and this offseason as an assistant hitting coach. He's now back with the Mets. Um, I'm stoked about this just because Carlos Beltran, great player, great baseball mind, brutal to listen to on TV. Terrible. I mean... It's like he's never watched a baseball game before. It's like he's never watched a baseball game. And, you know, I, I recognize that... There's a lot of Latin American players whose English is very clearly not their first language that are in broadcasting. The difference is those guys have personality. Like, Pedro does not speak perfect English, but Pedro has fun. David Ortiz, Big Poppy, is on every playoff game. Same concept. Poppy's fun. I'm going to defend. Pedro... Pedro knows so much about pitching that you actually feel like you're learning about pitching when Pedro talks. Poppy's just for fun. Beltran, it was just brutal to listen to. It was just not enjoyable. And I also think it's fascinating that 
And it just shows the passage of time, obviously, that Hinch and Cora got jobs again. Um, and Beltron's next on this list. You know, he is literally getting a job only a couple years later to help run the team that said, mm, you know, we have to pass on you as manager. I, yeah, I don't think this, I don't think the science you know, is a permanent stain on anyone. Well, we'll see. I mean, how, we'll see. As, he'll get in. He'll get in eventually. We'll see how it goes over the years with the Hall of Fame. Um, and Cameron Maimon. He's joining former teammate and all-star closer Todd Jones um, as teammates in the TV and studio booth for Bally Sports Detroit. Uh, Hall of Famer Jack Morris will not be a part of this year's broadcast team as he and the network agreed to mutually part ways after five years. Um, I I just want to say I love Maven. You talk about a guy who had fun and was different. Maven was that in spades. Um, But I think the reality is with the Yankees – there was a ceiling for Maven with the broadcasting team because no matter what, you're still going to be behind Kay Singleton when he calls games, Paulie, John Flaherty, all these guys, uh, Ruko when Ruko calls games. Um, so I'm glad Maven's getting the chance to have his own show because he was an absolute blast to listen to. And and a guy who honestly, for having only played half a season with the Yankees, um, is a very memorable Yankee in my mind. He was great on TV. It just shows like how he is as an individual that I feel that way. He's great on TV. And it's a bad loss for the They should have given him – he should have been the one-for-one replacement for Ken Singleton. Yeah. Well, and then Ken – I mean, it's great that Ken keeps going. So, unfortunately, we didn't get to that point. But, yes, I agree with you. Tell Ken you had a good run. Look out! Um, so, I want to talk about this article. A friend of the show, Sam Schmall, texted me about it also. I said, don't worry. We're talking about it on the podcast. Jim Bowden wrote about the idea of Major League Baseball expansion today. Um, and again, a lot of the teams that uh, the main destinations that have been talked about, but that are likely the front runners are Nashville, Charlotte, Portland, Vegas, and Montreal and Vancouver in Canada. Um, so for the sake of this article, um, he said that he included Charlotte and Nashville as expansion cities um, to leave the possibility of the A's remaining in Oakland or moving to Las Vegas. And the way he did this was he realigned baseball into the Eastern and the Western Conference. 12-team postseason field with six clubs from each conference, four division winners, and two wildcard base making the playoffs. Um, and I just want you to hear this out loud and we could talk through it because some of these are fascinating. The Eastern Conference East would be the Red Sox, Mets, Yankees, and Phillies. That's the best division in baseball every year, and I don't think it's close. We haven't gone through the rest yet. Okay, the North, this would be really bad. The Reds, the Guardians, the Tigers, and the Blue Jays. The Mid-Atlantic would be the Orioles, the Charlotte expansion team, the Pirates, and the Nats. Southeast would be the Braves, Marlins, Nashville expansion team, and the Rays. If that's the Eastern Conference, you can make a genuine, at least this year, you can make a genuine case four of the five best teams would be in the same division. I think it would be those four in the Rays. You were aware the Bo- you're aware that Boston's terrible. I think three of the four and the Red Sox I'm banking on becoming the Red Sox again soon. Well, that's the point. It's cyclical. So I'll ask you this. If this was the Eastern Conference, who would be your Bovada picks to make it to the postseasons? And again, it's four division winners and two wildcard teams. I have to pick six? We got to pick six. I got... <laughs> Yankees, Mets, Phillies, Blue Jays. Well, who's... Well, hold on. Do it right. Like, division winner. I got the Guardians. I got the Blue Jays coming out of the north. I got the uh, Orioles coming out of the mid-Atlantic. Cause we don't, I'd go the Charlotte expansion team. I got the Braves in the southeast. And then I have the... 
whoever you want, Yanks, Phillies, or Mets winning the division, the other two of the wild cards. And then we got the same place. All right, and then in the Western Conference, Midwest, Cubs, White Sox, Brewers, Twins. That would be a fascinating division every year of just, like, who's going to get to 87 wins first. I think you're forgetting that it's cyclical. Southwest, this would be a good division. Astros, Royals, Cardinals, Rangers. Pacific Coast would be the A's, Rockies, Mariners, Giants. Sam texted me as a Giants fan, sign me the hell up. West, D-backs, Dodgers, Angels, Padres. You probably get another Dodgers, Padres. I'm going, I'm going White Sox out of the Midwest. Astros out of the Southwest. Mariners out of the Pacific. Padres out of the West, and then the wild card teams would be the Dodgers and... I think it's Rangers, Cardinals. I was going to say the Cardinals. I think they still have a slight edge on the Rangers. I'll take the Rangers. But what an interesting like thought process, right? I don't think this would ever happen because baseball is so stuck in historical things that I don't see them ever getting rid of the American and National League. But if they do expand, this would be an outside-the-box practical way to realign it. I would like it. I think all the fa- I think every fan would be in for it. Something different. All right, one thing I want to talk about with you, and then we will wrap this up with some tweets of the week. Is MLB Network this week or MLB.com posted their all underrated team, and it was current players, and they had random criteria and this and that. So I wanted to talk through by you position by position. I figured it was a good way to burn a couple minutes to wrap up the show and some fun dialogue. Who would be our all underrated team at every position in baseball history? Now I'm going to preface this by saying I have some Hall of Famers on my list which I know sounds counterintuitive, but there are some guys who I don't feel get the love they deserve. Um, so let's start a catcher. You got anyone in mind, a catcher? Yeah, homer pick, Posada. Posada was an unbelievable catcher, fell right off the Hall of Fame ballot. He was the catcher of five World Series teams, uh, hit for power, was, I want to say, like runner-up or top three in the MVP vote one year, played pretty much every game, I think he broke Five-time All-Star, four rings, five-time Silver Slugger, third in the MVP voting in 2003, and a career 848 OPS, 121 OPS plus. Yeah, him falling off the battle was... I think he falls short in a little bit of the count, a little bit in the counting numbers, but it's a thing that I have as well. He's a guy that falls under the heading of, there's no way he should have fallen off the ballot right away. He's a victim of a crowd ballot. Yes. Like if he was on the ballot this run-through, you would be looking at, like, oh... Posada, maybe make a case for him. Mine's going to be a guy who got into the Hall of Fame, but I was banging the drum for him for a long time before that. Uh, Ted Simmons, a catcher. How it took a guy almost 30 years after he retired who had twenty four, almost 2,500 hits, 250 home runs, hit 285, 118 OPS, and was an eight-time All-Star with almost 1,400 career RBIs. And the fact that those numbers at the catcher position took that long to get into the Hall of Fame, I, I just will never understand. Pull up Posada's numbers again. Posada, similar, slightly lower war, fewer hits, more homers, lower average, less runs, less RBIs, one less steal, higher OPS and OPS plus. That's tough. But again, Jorge's definitely a guy. Jorge's five rings. Dude, you're going to get no argument from me for Hall of Famer. Uh, Or that Jorge should have been on the ballot at least a little bit longer. Um Here's another. All right, first base. You got anyone for first base? I got two. I I mean, I'll go. You go first. Let me think. I because I'm doing more recent in my lifetime. Well, I I mixed it up a bit, so I got two. Uh, one is Carlos Delgado. Uh, you talk about a guy that should have gotten a longer look on the Hall of Fame ballot. He'll be the guy that I will now. He's he's going to be my new Fred McGriff. 
I mean, Delgado, it's like, what more did you want? He had over 2,000 hits, 473 homers, 1,500 RBIs, 833 OPS on base, 138 OPS plus, 929 OPS. Had 100 RBIs, 2, 4, 6, 7 years in a row and 10 years total. I mean, this guy was a force in the middle of the lineup and got no love from the voters. He's another guy who's not... He suffers from having played in the PED era. Correct. That's a good, yeah, that's a good pick. And then my other one, you know, if you were to ask a baseball fan the trivia question, can you name all the players with 300 home runs or with 500 home runs and 3,000 hits? I think most of them get the big names like Mays, Aaron, Mays, Aaron, A-Rod, Pujols. Maybe some of them get Palmero. But in my mind, this is the guy who has the highest Bavada odds of being consistently missed when that question is asked. And there's a reason that his nickname was Steady Eddie. It's Eddie Murray. Uh, Eddie Murray, and again, it's like he's a first ballot Hall of Famer, so take this statement with a grain of salt. But I just feel like when we talk about the all-time greats, he gets no love for a guy who, again, is one of six guys ever with 3,000 hits and 500 home runs. He was too steady. And everything else is great. I mean, that RBI total is crazy. Well, let me check something. I, I just, I, you know, he played a he played a long time, but not that long of a time. Like, he played 21 years. That's not that crazy. Yeah, but he only had one all-star. He only had one all-star appearance. He's also got the most sack flies ever. That's irrelevant. Something. I don't know what it is, but it's something. So, Steady Eddie is my second pick at first base. Yeah, you two are good. We can go to third, or we can go to second. All right, second base. Uh, I'm gonna go Lou Whitaker, a uh, guy who I think will get into the Hall of Fame now that his battery mate Alan or his uh, battery mate Jesus, his double play partner Alan Trammell's in the Hall of Fame. Just look up Lou's numbers. I mean, he's a guy. He was a do it all second baseman, and I think second base is similar to third, and that it's a position that's underrepresented. And I hope Sweet Lou gets his due soon. That's good. I'm gonna go. I don't like this pick. He suffers from Dwight Howard syndrome. Awesome start to his career, and then just kind of fell off and got weird. Like I, those first watch Robinson Cano, the Yankee, was so good. Well, Robinson Cano, it just comes down to PEDs. Yeah, but I feel like even without the PEDs, people turned on him. I'm in on the Cano thing. You think it's I, well? I think part of it is he took the money and got popped with PEDs. I think if you do one or the other, you could survive. If you clearly go for the cash grab. And then you get caught cheating. That's a really tough one-two punch to uh, overcome, in my opinion. The PEDs wouldn't have helped his field. He was good defensively. I know. He was really good. I mean, also, look, look uh, for my money, and, uh, the, sweetest, Jeff- the sweetest left-handed swing we've ever seen in Yankee Stadium. Was and, Je- and Jeff Kent, who we spoke about at length last couple pods not making the haul, but yep. easy choice. Good call. All right, shortstop. I'm going to go more recent uh, per your request. Michael Young. You know, I know he ended up playing third at DH towards the end of his career, but really good career. I mean, 22,375 hits, 185 homers, hit 300, you know, 346 on base, seven-time All-Star batting title, All-Star game MVP, gold glove. Not a guy who I think should sniff the Hall of Fame, but just one of those guys, like, uh, he was a seven-time All-Star. That's a guy whose number should be retired in Texas. Seven-time All-Star over an eight-year stretch in Texas, and I feel like once he retired, we just never spoke about him again. Really yeah. good career, though. I agree. What about you? 
That Michael Young, you also took my pick at third base. All right, well, I'll let you take him because we talked about him last week. So, so Aramis Ramirez has the same off- better offensive numbers than, than Scott Rowland. Yeah, Aramis Ramirez, I'll just pull him up. 2,300 hits, 386 home runs, 283 average, 1,400 RBIs, 833 OPS, 115 OPS plus. A forgotten force at third base, and I think part of it is because, again, only a three-time All-Star and only a one-time Silver Slugger, but a really good career. PEDs. PEDs, again, like being oh, surrounded by PEDs. Okay, I was going to say, I don't think he got popped. Um, I'm going to go old school. I'm going to go Bill Madlock. Um, one, because he follows me on Twitter randomly. But two, I, I just feel like if a guy wins... Like, do you know who Bill Madlock is? Nope. Okay. I feel like if a guy at one position wins four batting titles, he should be somebody that baseball fans of all ages know. Four batting titles is a lot. He won four batting titles? He won four and four. I mean, the last one he had 323, but the other three, it's like we talk about like the Miggy batting titles, so they were legit. 354, 339, 341. Those are real batting titles. Yeah. And most, I would say most people, unless you were from that era or you're an idiot savant like myself, you don't know who Bill Madlock is. Get out there on Twitter more. So that's why it is for me, Bill Madlock. Outfield, um, I just looped in outfield. I didn't go by position. Um, should I start with my random Hall of Famer first? Is it Andrew Jones? He's not in yet. It's uh, this guy, Al Simmons, who I admittedly don't know much about. But, uh, I mean, I'll let you read those numbers out loud. For a guy that I would say even like devout baseball fans, a lot of people don't know, that's a real good career. Yeah, 2,900 hits, 300 homers. Career average of 334 is... That's 380 impressive. on base, 915 OPS, 1,800 RBIs. It's a lot. We're just going to give Al Simmons some love. It's probably because he died at 54 that nobody really knows about him. He died well, He died at 54 in 56. In 56. So Al Simmons is mine. Um, and then the rest I did guys from our era. Um, Lance Berkman, just one of those guys like professional hitters. Feel like he doesn't get any love. Um this is kind of the advanced version of that. You ever look at Luis Gonzalez's total career numbers? Yeah, yeah, that one crazy year. So yeah, the fifty-seven homer year in two thousand one was ridiculous. That was, and this, and I love bringing up this MVP voting. So thank you for giving me the chance to do that. Could you imagine finishing third in the MVP voting the year where you scored one hundred twenty-eight runs, had one hundred ninety-eight hits, fifty-seven home runs, one hundred forty-two doubles, you walked a hundred times. And you hit 325 with a 429 on base percentage. Steroids were sick. Yeah, steroids were sick. Um, but all told for his career, you know, I think a lot of people remember him for that season. And then obviously the game winning hit off of Mo, but almost 2,600 hits, 350 home runs, 845 career OPS, 1,400 RBIs, 1,400 runs. Gonzo had a really nice career. Yeah, he did. All right. And then uh, I'm going to loop these last two guys together because it's your Jorge Posada argument. Uh, Jim Edmonds and Kenny Lofton. Uh, to me, I think I feel more strongly about Edmonds in light of Roland getting in. Um, and again, I think Roland is a deserved Hall of Famer. I have no problem with it. But I think we'd both agree the pecking order on that team of who you came to watch, it was Pools and then Edmonds and then Roland. Uh, four-time All-Star World Champ, eight-time Gold Glove. Honestly, not that much different of a case than from Andrew Jones. Um but 393 home runs, a shade under 2,000 hits, 376 on base, 903 OPS. Again, a guy who I think should have gotten a much, much longer look on the ballot. Yeah, I, I, I think the best point is 
I, I think he's better than Roland. And Roland's in now. And he fell off after one. And with this guy, it's very simple. I think part of it is, you know, just played for a million teams and had no fan base to back him. But if you actually look at the numbers, this is the guy, only player ever to appear in a Final Four in a World Series, which to me means something. If Tim Raines is in the Hall of Fame, I really struggle with the idea that Kenny Lofton fell off the ballot after one year. I mean, it's a crowded ballot issue. 2,400 hits. I mean, you think he stays on the ballot if his average is one point higher? I don't think so. I think he's a guy, though, that a committee is going to take a long look at because 2,400 hits, 68.4 war, 130 home runs, called a 300 average, 1,500 runs scored, over 600 steals, 372 on base. It's like from a leadoff hitter. What are you really lacking there? Power. 130 home runs, though, is comparable to, like, Barry Larkin, who's in, Reigns, who's in, etc. I mean, I, got, I caught Lofton late in his career. He never felt like a Hall of Famer to me. He was never the guy on his team. He, was no, he wasn't the guy in Cleveland. He wasn't the guy in San Francisco. And then he just became a journeyman at the end. Who you got in the outfield? Andrew, which I don't need to rehash. Yeah, I let any, any guys that we've uh, discussed ad nauseum for the Hall of Fame in the past two months, I've left off. And then even, the, like... And then another one that we talked about, like, I the it's all like the the advanced analytics stats that prove the case for him. Like, there are some really good Bobby Abreu numbers out there, and of course Ed Delahanty. Always Ed. Yeah, I, the Abreu thing is interesting for me, just because I think there's good numbers on him. I think him. traditional fans underrate him, and the statistic guys overrate him. Perfectly said. Of all of these guys we named who are not in the Hall of Fame yet, who do you think has the highest Pavada odds of eventually getting in? And then we'll do starting pitchers. Um, I'm going to go Whitaker, just because I think we're on that path. Yeah, I would take Whitaker, but I think the best value is on no one. It's a good play. The other. Uh, I had three starting pitchers. Uh, to me, Johan is, from our generation, number one. Uh, again, if the voters didn't give it to Bartolo just because he had 20 wins, Johan's in the Hall of Fame. You win three straight Cy Youngs, you're a Hall of Famer. The body of work was so incredible. Johan, for me, is number one. Two, I have Brett Saberhagen. Um, one, because I interviewed him and he's a great guy. But two, I just feel like, it's again, it's, it's a trivia thing for me. When you talk about guys who have won multiple Cy Young awards, I would think a majority of people, he's a name that doesn't get answered on the board. No, and in that vein, oh, you got no more? Well, I got one more. My third is just Tim Hudson. Just a really solid pitcher for a long time. The right-handed Mark Burley, if you will. But one more. I mean, for me, the guy, like, growing up, Lincecum. That peak Lincecum was nasty. From a five-foot nothing, like a tiny dude on the mound, he was the freak. And for Lincecum's, I, I, this has nothing to do with statistics, his This Is Sports Center commercial is all-time. With Lincecum trying to record the, the voice message, I think that's excellent content and should be played more often on TV. Um, so, yeah, Lincecum would be my pick for the, uh, my all-underrated Cy Young. And Pete Lincecum was a back-to-back Cy Young winner. Well, and at the end of the day, baseball's fun. And there were very few, or supposed to be fun, and there's very few people who were more fun to watch than Tim Lincecum when we were growing up. I love Lincecum. Big-time Timmy Jim. All right, Tweets of the Week from Codify. Can you name what player is the oldest left fielder and center fielder to hit a home run in a major league game? Uh, Alou? Ricky Henderson. That makes sense. Um, okay, next one. 
So remember when I had that Vinny Castilla tweet a few weeks ago and we said war has gone too far? Yeah. So Hanley is the only player in MLB history to have a season, Hanley Ramirez, with 25 homers, 50-plus steals, and hitting 330 or better. But he only had a 4.4 war because he was worth negative 28 defensive runs saved. Like it's That's stupid. All right, and this one comes out with love to my friend Michael Capitelli. Uh, this is a Twitter thread from Nick Groke. Uh, and Nick Groke covers the Ath- Rockies for The Athletic. And he, he said, here are some quotes from the Rockies owner, Dick Montfort, over the past 13 years. Guess the year in which he said these things. I don't know the years, but I just think some of these are very funny quotes. Uh, we have a lot of talent. A lot of good things are going to happen, and I think they're going to start happening this year. We have an extremely talented team. They are built to compete. It's time for them to take the next step. Um, I firmly believe we have the tools to compete at an even higher level next year. We all know how close we are, and if the team prepares this offseason as well as they did the last week and win the division and more. I think we could play 500 ball. <laughs> when Tulo and Cargo play in the same game, I think we win 60% of the time. So you take 60% times 160 games, and that's 96 wins. In 08, we basically, <laughs> with basically the same team, we won 74 games and lost 88. But like a great American hero, Forrest Gump, once said, shit happens. Because in 09, we won 92 and lost 70. I had an analytics staff interpolate those numbers. And so in 2020, we'll win 94 games and lose 68. Even if there was not a pandemic, they were not doing that. I offer no excuses, just commitment to play the game better. Excuses serve no purpose, and we are committed to devoting all our efforts this offseason to improving this team. Um, let me let me get one more good one. They named 100 of the top prospects of baseball. We had four of them, and I kid you not, there could have been 15. I, uh, let me see. I'll do one more. This was referring to Dan O'Dowd um, in 2012, and then the middle was two months before their GM stepped down. I can't think of a GM in baseball that's as good of him. Granted, I don't know all of them. No, I have not thought about firing Jeff, and I haven't thought of. I have thought about firing myself. Yeah. <clears throat> Is he the sneaky one of the worst owners in sports that nobody talks about because the Rockies are just only relevant every like seven years? Yeah, they're fourth billing in their own city. I mean, they're terrible. The the uh, Arenado thing exposed him. Paying St. Lu- paying Arenado's salary to play as a Cardinal last two years was bad. Oh my God, it was such such a disaster. Um, that is all I got for this week's podcast. Super Bowl's coming up. And Chiefs, you- go Chiefs. That's all I got. All right, that's all you got. Um, I will say, stay healthy. Stay humble, stay free, do the best that you can. That's Gaslight Anthem line because my brain is going dead right now. And uh, once the Super Bowl is over, next week we'll start getting into spring training content because in my mind that is when the countdown to baseball officially begins. We're going to high-five because of that. Ready? Let's make sure it's a good one for them to hear. New mic should have covered it. Yeah, you didn't really move your hand, but we'll do better next time. With Bryce Holden, my name is Chase Medorsky. This is the Underdog Sports Baseball Show. Have a great week. (laughs) 